Have you felt disconnected lately? Just feel the fatigue of virtual church? Welcome to Lobby Talk with me, your host, Jonathan Tay, and joined by Pastor Jason Locke for a six-episode series as we try to inject some of that organic chit-chat back into the life of Hope Bible Church and dive into what doing life together looks and feels like in an increasingly remote and digital environment. Hey everyone, we're more than halfway now, and so episode four is here today. I'm here with Jason as per usual. Now, episode six coincidentally will actually fall on a sermon that is not part of the series. So what we thought would be a really good idea is for you guys to submit questions to us. We thought, how could we get questions from the audience to Jason or myself? And we thought that the best way will be to email Jason at jasonl at hopemarkham.ca. Did I get that right? That's right. Yep. Okay. So Jason L at hopemarkham.ca, please leave a subject line as lobby talk so that Jason knows not to sift or delete something by accident. Uh, so that's what we're headed up to in week six. So that's two weeks from now. So any questions you've had up till now through this sermon series or through lobby talk, let us know and please submit any type of questions you may have. It doesn't necessarily have to be a uh, sermon related. It would be awesome if it was, but if you had any also personal questions, we'll obviously kind of filter through what we think will be helpful for the show and for the other audience members. But for the most part, submit away and we'll see where we get to with that. So Jason, how mm -hmm. are you today? Uh, <clears throat> well, today, yes, uh, by God's grace, I'm wearing a hat because I need a haircut. <laughs> My wife reminded me. Uh, has she tried and, to do? Has she tried to, tried to cut? Your she hair did. You? She did. She did. It was uh, uh, very stressful. I've never, I never sweated before while I got my hair cut. <laughs> but literally, I was, I could, I could feel, uh, I could feel sweaty. But she did a good job. She did a great job for the first time. We got like a, a Conair was the brand like yeah. thing. Picked it up from Walmart to shave and trim. Or not like the whatever you do when yeah. you cut your hair and uh, funny I actually saw my barber on the street when we were <laughs> I was going for a run up uh, Main Street Markham and I was passing by my barber shop and I was like oh man I'd really like to go there and then as I was passing by the barber shop I saw my barber roller skating the other way uh, and he de he definitely didn't recognize me but uh, yeah I'll be looking forward to the Did you feel like guilty at all? Uh, no, no. But what I saw was like, his hair looks nice. Who cuts his hair? Does he cut his own hair? Uh, I don't know. Who who cuts a who gets a barber to cut a barber's hair? I don't know. That's true. Yeah, um, but we're, we're, would you ever? Would she want to do it again? And would you let her do it again? Oh yeah, for sure. Cool. Definitely would let her do it again, and I would definitely want her to do it again. But I'll be happy to free my wife from the obligation of doing it when yeah. the How long did it take, you don't mind asking? Oh, it was like more than half an hour, not an hour. I can't okay. remember exactly. It's pretty reasonable. Yeah. yeah. I guess so. For a mm -hmm. first time, mm -hmm. it's pretty reasonable. Nice. She did a good job. Yeah, she was a little trepidatious and needed to tell her, like, get, get, it, get it right up in there. And she was, <laughs> she was really nervous. But she did good. Slow and steady. That's my wife. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, speaking of things yeah. that could, you know, you could potentially let go too long. Um, yes. What's one aspect of life that you're in this kind of season that you've had? You just like, man, I, I let myself go in that way or this aspect oh, of my man. life. Because realistically, you're working in a new environment. There's new 
things that require your attention. So something, maybe you've held it together pretty well, but if there's something mm. that you could say, wow, I let go pretty hard in that aspect of my life, what would it be? Mm. Last week we talked about like things that I'd uh, want to still do. Uh, this is a very different one. Hmm. Hmm. I think I let myself uh, go. I've been going to bed later than I've wanted to. Um, and I've given myself some space that has been less per less helpful for me than I thought it would by taking time to uh, um, just like linger later watching an episode of something um, at night before I go to bed, thinking it would help me relax more, but it hasn't really. It's just made me ache more in my um, worrying, I guess. Some things are entertaining and I enjoyed, but it's helpful for me to, as I read from one author <coughs> in this book, I can't remember what it was called, Rules for Life, I think it was mm. called. Um, it was about like spiritual disciplines based on old monk habits. <laughs> but essentially he said... Uh, you need to learn to curate your entertainment. And nice. he said um, on, uh, and someone might have gotten to this link because they scrolled through entertain uh, through social media, but the reality is that um, Facebook doesn't love you. Instagram doesn't love you. Uh, YouTube doesn't love you. It, and I know that's weird to say, it's like, of course, obviously they don't, they don't love you. Yeah, but they're, they're making your attention into a commodity. Yeah. They don't, and and they were doing everything they can, as much as they can, to take your keep your attention, so that they can sell you ads, and it's a it's a business, and that's not it's not bad, it's not wrong. But this guy said if the system of social media is organized in a way that will never in itself, if you. Uh, lead to self-control it will always lead to more self-indulgence um, and he said there's a lot of great things with entertainment but you need to learn to curate your media intake and over the past couple weeks I haven't I've been just like allowing myself that I've, I've, I've given myself to the algorithm nice what's the <laughs> yeah. algorithm been pushing on you and what have you said wow Netflix you really know me <sighs> Uh, I, I don't, I've spent, I'd spend most of my time on, uh, that, that, like, lingering time on YouTube. YouTube's been pushing some weird stuff. YouTube's been pushing some, like, like, conspiracy theory things to me that I'm like, Classic. I don't. But also, I've been watching the, I watched The Last Dance. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. On Netflix. Loved it. So it's been pushing me a ton of, like, Michael Jordan highlights. Yeah. Um, like OG Michael Jordan highlights and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Sure. So, uh, but then I'm getting like crazy. Just like, wait, did I search stuff on YouTube, or did did YouTube's cookies somehow search that I was on Netflix watching this? And now, uh, who's tracing me? Who's watching me? <laughs> but uh, so that's what YouTube's been pushing a lot on me. Um, nice for me. Yeah. It's been um, it's been uh, Pitbull videos like redeeming pit bulls and adopting oh them. you mean not like not like the hip-hop artist pit no, no 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 like like actual dogs from shelters and oh, okay stuff like yeah that. yeah yeah and then yeah uh, redeeming building, pit bulls yeah and then diy cabins in the wood wow okay yeah. that's very unique i know yeah. they're like mm. not on the side the same side of the spectrum but that's kind of no my, 
That's what the algorithm mm. has been teaching me about myself. Mm. Um, all it's right, weird. so I got a question for you, man. Um, yeah, it's not specifically to the sermon, uh, yeah, but it's about your sermon process. Okay, uh, great. You mentioned how uh, you were going through this sermon, and you were like, "Wow, this is a passage about suffering. It's not going to be particularly easy to preach on." Mm-hmm. Is that like up there in terms of top three topics that you know when you go verse by verse, you're like, "Oh, I was hoping this topic would come out a little later," or uh, mm. we're, we're hitting this topic now, are we? Is there is there a list mm. of topics that you're like, ah, "I do not want to tackle this right now," or this is the hardest topic for me to tackle on? Hmm. I I've learned <clears throat> when I was I mean I'm, it, I've learned that the more I've grown up and the more I've been able to do uh, a walk with walk with Jesus myself and walk with Jesus along with others I've recognized that um, when you're in Bible college you you kind of like get all the tools to read the Bible but you rarely get the tools to read people um, yeah. and a lot of the, a lot of the times younger uh, uh, men in ministry um, and in pastoral work um, and I'm, I'm reading a book about this right now that, that where there was this book written called Resilient Ministry um, it's like helping pastors thrive in their job and the book is based on this summit that they had with like 100 pastors and they came and they did a survey amongst the pastors and one of the things was they said was like yeah we were trained to read the Bible we were not trained to read people and often um, young, younger men, especially in uh, who get the theological training, are so sensitive to be right and be true that they're insensitive to the people that they're speaking to, and they'll come to any topic like suffering, and they're just like, "Well, I just need to say the right thing," and they have no spilt milk in their lives. Like they have no, like they don't know the pain of. <clears throat> They don't know a lot of the pain and baggage of, of suffering. So I've learned that um, there, it's you can make theology into like an ivory tower, like high academic thing, or but it, it's it's on the ground, real life stuff that everyone's dealing with. So I'd say for sure, suffering is definitely uh, near the top of things that are hard to uh, approach in scripture. I, st- I have, uh, the another thing I'd say is I have convictions about uh, what's called eschatology and times related yeah. things, but I really don't like, I can, if I, if there's a top three, that'd be one of them. That'd be like, oh man, this is, this would be a hard one. No, because, because uh, popular Christian media has made uh, end times into fictional stories, right? Yeah. That are not necessarily biblically, theologically accurate, and also it's it's some people can make it so political too. So, yeah. and people argue so finitely on the details of eschatology. I remember hearing one pastor say one time, "I've stopped. Uh, I, I quit." the planning committee and started and joined the welcoming committee right what nice. about jesus coming back right yeah yeah yeah. and sometimes people can be a little uh more feisty when it comes to uh, eschatology and uh like the book of revelation was written for our endurance for our encouragement not for you to know what date 
and to know what political leader or political region or political ideology is the enemy or and that's often what people make it into it's a tribal us versus them thing rather than uh hope for endurance because jesus is coming back it's going to be yeah. hard so yeah that, that'd be another one that's kind of an interesting one to approach mm-hmm. well uh, i'm going to touch back on something you just mentioned which is coincidentally a great way to segue into our next question which is directly mm-hmm. related with the sermon now so mm-hmm. i'm going to read off a little bit of what i wrote because the setup's a little longer so i want to make sure i get it right okay let's go so great. you mentioned sometimes that we read these types of passages on suffering and hypothetically you know you, you said well you don't know what i've gone through and where paul is almost saying yes you're right but I know what I've gone through. And I love that because mm-hmm. that was so, like you said, suffering is, yes, you could make it a very ology all up in your head thing, but for yep. a lot of people in the church, this is a thing that they wrestle with every single day. And so absolutely, it, it can't yeah. just be head knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what I really like is that you said it in such a polite way where you said, Paul is almost saying, yes, you're right, but I know what I've gone through. In my in my head, when I, when I thought you were gonna say it was, Paul was gonna say, you don't know what I've gone through. You know, it's like his resume, his resume of suffering is like crazy, right? So mm, um, mm. have you ever had someone come up to you as a pastor or leader, whether in your current role or as previously as a youth leader, with mm. something that is so out of your depth that you found it difficult to speak the truth and love to that person where you're like, wow, like that's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so week one of me on staff at our church. Yeah. Week one, 2011. I sit down with a young adult male, good, uh, a good man, who loves Jesus, haven't spoke with him in a couple years, but he just kind of um, tells me his whole story of how he came to Jesus. I am 19 years old, 20 years old, 20, I'm 21 years old, I think. Yeah, 21 years old. <laughs> just started on staff at church. Just started living in Markham, where I grew up 20 minutes up the road in Stovall. And Markham and Stovall, Stovall is uh, expanding and its demographics are changing, but once upon a go, it was very homogenous, right? So, um, and like, like I grew up in Stovall and we had like, um, it, it, it we had, what's it called? Square dance competitions where they, and, and it was like a very farm town, right? It's, it's changed since then, but sit down with this guy and he tells me essentially, um, I'm new to following Jesus. I used to be in the Markham Triads, and here's the scar where someone hit me with a machete on my skull. Oh, oh. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay, um, it, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember a time where uh, uh, Pastor Ed, uh, uh, who used to work at our church, so grateful for the influence Pastor Ed Grahorsik was in my life. I went down to I can't remember Sick Kids or Sunny Brook, and this young man to visit a young man who was in the hospital, and in such a bad car, car crash, and he had to have such hor- uh, such invasive brain surgery that he actually was missing like a it looked like if he was a video game that he did he his character didn't render properly like there was an actual space like yeah. a ga- gaping space missing in his skull. And I, Pastor Ed was just so gracious and so kind and spoke to him like a real person, but I was just, I've never, I never saw someone like that before. I never seen that. And I was just crushed. And yeah, I think, um, 
yeah, I can think point to a lot of examples like that where you just see uh, suffering so r real and so raw. Um, and uh, so, so I've, I'm learning often some of the best times in that is just to listen, mm. um, to suffer together. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Right. Let's weep with those who weep. Let's mourn for those who mourn. So, yeah, I've seen a lot of that. And when I was younger, I would have been like, well, here's the right theology. But that's not what pastoring is. That's not what Christian love is. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's weeping with those who weep. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. say they do ask for some sort of speaking truth into their lives. Obviously, they're yeah. inviting it rather than you shoving it down their throat. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you feel like you need to have this that level of personal experience of suffering as a prerequisite to speaking or ministering to someone or do you feel like this is not this is not going to sound exactly right the way I want it to but do you yeah, feel yeah. like the Bible is enough on its mm. own like you can just read scripture you know and transfer it onto this person as a way of ministering to them or do you feel like mm. you have to relate to them in some way relationally it's always um uh, as an asset yeah. to be able to relate, it's always an asset to be able to relate uh, on in some uh, context. I'm I spoke with a pastor, a great guy uh, named Kesefin from Scarborough, and he shared his story about his history um, uh, in uh, gang-related things, and he can relate to a guy who got macheted in the head more than I can because I've never been in that environment. Right. So it's an asset. But um, all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for correction, for rebuke, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be equipped uh, for every good work. Scripture is enough for every good work, for sure, absolutely. So it's an asset to be able to empathize, but the good news is, is that um, uh, Jesus is the high priest who has been tempted in everywhere as we are, yet without sin so that we can come to him in any time of need boldly and to his throne of grace so that we can receive grace and mercy to help so when james 5 says in if is anyone amongst you suffering let him pray that's what james 5 says so often what you need is um you don't need a so uh some theologians can think about the way jesus ministry the way jesus served in three different ways Jesus as prophet Jesus as priest Jesus as king Jesus is each of these things as king he is ruler um, he has authority he acts justly and righteously as prophet he speaks the truth he stands bef he stands to the people on God's behalf and the priest does the opposite this priest stands to God on the people's behalf yeah and and in times of suffering Jesus comes to us as a priest who knows what we feel, who's felt what we feel, and who comes to God with us um, to to find God's grace and mercy and God's compassion. So that's what I would encourage anyone who's like, if you find someone, if you, like one of the points was suffer together, right? Yeah. Um, yes, there's some truth people may need to be here, but they don't. Suffering is a time where we don't need. That's what Job the, was the problem with Job's friends in the story of Job. They were trying yeah. to be prophets. Here's what you're doing is wrong. They weren't doing the priestly. Let me come together and let's go to God together. They just That's wanted to show him his wrong. 
and we need the empathetic sympathy uh yeah nice because that's that's what i want to go with is is the whole idea that you know it's i think you you navigated that perfectly where i wanted to really encourage Mm -hmm. our our viewers that yeah the Mm -hmm. bible is enough you know don't Mm -hmm. stone me the bible's enough Mm -hmm. it's not what Mm -hmm. i was trying to get at Uh, Mm -hmm. but definitely the relational thing is a huge asset and Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't be Job's friends. You know, <laughs> be 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 yeah. a good listener. Be a good friend. Um, don't don't use the Bible almost as a weapon against your friends yep. in those type of times. So thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Lament. Mm-hmm. You mentioned mm-hmm. at the end that we need mm-hmm. to practice lament. I, I've actually mm-hmm. I had never really considered that as a kind of a con- concept. If that makes sense, I probably mm-hmm. practice lament in some form or aspect unofficially. Mm-hmm. But the way mm-hmm. you said it was such a, uh, almost sounded like really structured. Mm-hmm. So what are some practical things that you personally do that, that would help me, someone who's not as practiced in lament, would say, hey, mm-hmm. that's practicing lament right there. Mm-hmm. They're great. Um, I pulled out a little book here. It's called Prayer Psalms by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Okay, I keep cool. it close to me frequently. I would say if you want to learn to practice to lament, read the laments of other people. Um, emotions can be a uh, um, a horse. Emotions can be like a stallion. <clears throat> it can be a wild stallion that's untamed, and you let it you you let it loose to buck and kick and destroy whatever it's in his path, or you can learn to. Um, uh, not tame them, but harness them and ride them in a way that's controlled. Um, so read laments of other people. This book, uh, Psalms, uh, kind of gives all the classifications of different types of um, the Psalms there are, and a huge portion of the Psalms are lament. It's, it's like watch David. Let yeah. his emotions go. They're just like, there's the horse just going wild in the field. But somehow, some way, the horse still comes back to the stable in the end. I do notice right? that. There's like it's all still, this, this, and he always lands yeah. back somewhere. Exactly. Um, so I'll be honest, I, uh, in a different type of lament, like uh, online church has been hard. And I haven't let myself, I, I feel like sometimes I've just been allowing myself to just say fake fake it till you make it type thing but this past week i was just like this is really hard and i don't like it and i i did i i I grieved and lamented and you know where i went i went to lamentations and you know what the first line of lamentation says it's talking about after jerusalem was destroyed by the babylonian army the first line of lamentations is jeremiah saying how lonely sits the city that was once so filled with people wow and that's what i was like oh I preach to an empty room every week. It's so lonely. But I've been trying to bury... Um, um, I've been trying to bury that emotion. Lament embraces the emotion and expresses the emotion. But when we lament with the Psalms, it helps us to bring the stallion back home to the stable. So that, yeah, it, it, it's... It's it's hard to allow the grief to be expressed. Um in a way that has hope that our God is still the same. He's still gracious and merciful and kind and loving. Um, so read the Psalms. Practically, uh, read the Psalms. 
and lament with others. Mm -hmm. Thanks, man. Um, mm. That's all I had for today. That's a, I mm. think that's a great way to kind of leave our viewers off with something to mm -hmm. something you know tangible that they can try today, right? So, mm. uh, hopefully, for those who are currently going in a season of you know whether small or uh, large in terms of suffering, uh, I, I think mm -hmm. there's something for everyone in this episode. Um, mm. And again, if you're watching for the first time, there are three more episodes before this one that kind of culminate mm. to today. And for those looking forward to two more, please remember to submit any questions you might have. Um, I know that anytime I finish off our chats, I probably have one mm. or two questions. I was like, oh, I should ask that or whatever. So mm. if you have that out there, um, then feel free to submit those to jasonl at hopemarkham.ca. That's right. All right. Thanks, Jason. Well, that's all for today on Lobby Talk. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and remember to bring your questions and be ready to contribute to your small group meeting this week. And if you're not in one, please contact us at info at hopemarkham.ca as we'd love to support you and for you to have community in times like these. Thanks for listening. And thank you to Pastor Jason for calling in this morning. Tune in next week as we catch up over morning coffee and chat about the weekend sermon in the church lobby. And we'll see you next time. Welcome.